Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. In celebration of opening day, we've got a special episode of the Moth Podcast for you. The theme is baseball and the surprising ways it connects people. I gaze out at the players on the field and then I... Uh... I look over at my dad and I, I realize that in the silence between us that something has changed. It's like I'm seeing him for the first time. Two stories about baseball, family, and so much more. The episode's available right now. Subscribe to the Moth Podcast to make sure you hear it. Yeah, there should be some passion. This doesn't have to be boring. Boring, boring. Hey, one thing the game needs is more people like you. You, you. Still have grown men run around tight pants. It's Mookie Betts. It's Daniel Bard. It's Steve Aoki. There's Saul Tlamachia. This is Brock Holt. Hey, this is John Lester. Baseball is baseball. Baseball isn't boring. Welcome to Baseball Isn't Boring. Here's your host, Rob Radford. We could have gone anywhere to go improve the baseballs and boring last night. We could have gone anywhere. We could have gone to St. Petersburg to do another podcast in the race on why they're so good and why they're 10-0, and 0, why they're undefeated. We can go to Philadelphia to watch Matt Strom out of nowhere become a legit starting pitcher. Hopefully we're going to have Matt on the podcast sometime this week. But what we chose to do, what we chose to do is go to New York. We chose to go to City Field and we'll go back to the wild card game, the National League wild card game of last year, Mets Padres. Mets Padres. I mean, those are two teams. When you identify two teams that you probably want to see match up when the year started, it's those two teams. So that's what we did. We got in the baseball isn't boring van, and we we took the baseball isn't boring road trip. And we moved the Baseballs and Boring Studios to City Field. So there you go. We watched the Padres lose to the Mets 5 nothing in the reunion or the, the, the revenge game, I guess, for the Mets for the National League wild card game. First of all, listen, the Padres may have lost the game, but they won the media notes. Here's what they said in the media notes before the game. This is the San Diego media notes said, let's reminisce, shall we? Tonight is the first time the Padres and Mets will face off since Buck Showalter requested the umpires search Joe Musgrove's ears for illegal substances in the bottom of the sixth inning in Game 3 of the National League Wild Card Series. It was Musgrove's first career postseason start, tossing seven scoreless innings with one hit allowed and only two base runners. Blah, 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 blah. Remember that. He checked the ears. It was a big to-do. So... They're not letting it go. Well, you know, good for the Padres, media relations, for having a little fun, for adding a little spiciness to it. But, but, but at the end of the day, the Mets won 5 nothing. Now, a big part of this was the two pitchers who were starting. Max Scherzer against Hugh Darvish. One of the notable things about these two is they're both semi-old, old in the sense of baseball players. Okay, so Darvish is 36, but he just signed a six-year extension. You have Max Scherzer, obviously 38, but going stronger than ever, we think, had a bad couple starts. But but as we found out in this start, he still has a lot in the tank. We're going to hear from Max a little bit later. 
But so the, you have these two guys who I think are epitome of a conversation that we've had throughout the course of the season in terms of, of pitchers or really players playing older, playing to be older, and teams accepting this. We had Rich Hill on. I don't know if you know this. Rich Hill is the oldest professional athlete in of the major four major sports he came on explain this explain why these guys are playing how this is happening and so of all the storylines there's a lot to pick through but of all the storylines this is one of the more interesting ones you had two really really good pitchers who are being accepted going into their 40s. Now, I know Darvish is only 36, but when I say except to go into their 40s, he, he's going to be 42 by the time this contract runs out. So they're ex- expecting him to do something as a 40-year-old. Now, Darvish's line, he went six and a third, gave up five runs, but that was a little deceiving. He really only gave it two runs. He sort of lost control in the, in the, se- in the seventh inning. So still a pretty good start after starting off the year with a good start. Scherzer, excellent, excellent, excellent. Five innings, one hit, no runs. The old Max Scherzer, absolutely. So, but we got a lot to get to in this podcast. I went around and talked to a lot of people, not only about the two pitchers, not only about the game, but I also talked to, along with A.J. Preller, the San Diego Padres GM, we talked about the acceptance, this conversation, the acceptance of older players. This is a guy, as we just said, who has signed players now who are all going to creep into their 40s, these long extensions, whether Machado or Bogarts or Darvish or whoever. So the acceptance of that, and he's a really, really interesting conversation. Uh, we give you Scherzer after the game just because it felt like you wanted, wanted to have listened to Max Scherzer after the game. Go back to re, uh, reunite with Brandon Nimmo, one of our favorite podcasts of spring training. Brandon Nimmo, the Mets outfielder. He is absolutely friend of the baseball isn't boring cause. Absolutely. So we catch up with him. He's great. You're going to want to listen to that conversation. And then we get a chance to talk to Nick Martinez, pitcher for the Padres. And this is a sort of a wide-ranging interview, but one of the things that we focus on is how this guy sort of went to Japan and then came back and changed. Changed mentality, changed his stuff. We talk about how he changed overall, which includes just taking an online class. I mean, I thought it was pretty interesting. So we got all that on the podcast. Rate, review, subscribe, listen, all of it. First, we're going to start out with A.J. Preller, Padres GM, talking about why players are more accepting or are being accepted more as 40-year-old, 40-somethings in their careers and how baseball teams are saying, oh, that's okay. If there's anybody to talk about this subject, it's this guy, A.J. Preller. So here you go. So, you know, Rich Hill comes on our podcast a lot, and obviously he's the oldest pitcher, but he's very, I think that he's had some really good points about why pitchers are being accepted as they get older more and more, and you've been in the industry a while. Have you seen sort of an evolution of the acceptance of that pitchers are going to pitch longer? I mean, I think for us, like, we, we look at it more, it's really on the individual, you know. So, I mean, I think, uh, you know, obviously, you know, like, historically, you know, they're, they're, they, you look at guys like Roger Clemens, you look at, you know, guys like Mike Messina winning 20 games at 40 years old, Tom Glavin, Maddox, you know, that had success at a later age. Recently, you know, got rid of Rich Hill or Scherzer and Verlander or Granke. I think it just really comes down to, like, you know, each individual guy. And I think if... 
you know, in general, like if, if you have really good makeup, good work ethic, um, you know, I think we look at other sports too where you see, you know, I see Tom Brady play until he's later and some advances in technology. Um, but ultimately, you know, still uh, the aging curve and father time is, is always, always a, you know, it's a hard thing for, for any athlete to, uh, to, to be able to defeat. But when you have those special athletes, special pitchers, um, you know, especially in today, I think we feel like, yeah, some guys can pitch a little bit later. Do you have to start with a mentality? Do you have to start? I mean, I, there's a lot that goes, obviously, physical ability, you know, work ethic, all of it. But do you have to start with the mentality of the willingness of the, having the guy, like you, some of the names that you mentioned, to do it? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the guys we've seen that can do it, you know, you look at, like, whether it's Adam Wainwright in St. Louis and, and guys that are still going right now at 40-plus years old. Um, you know, I think the, the mental, like, the mental discipline, the mental makeup is probably just as important as the physical ability at that age. And, you know, I think the ones that are, are doing it at that age are really special. And it's probably a combination of both physical ability and, you know, and, and makeup. And uh, that's probably why they're able to, to do some, some things at, at ages that others aren't able to do. You mentioned Tom Brady. I mean, and I know it's a cliche to say, oh well Tom Brady but it almost seems and I know that Verlander hadn't mentioned this about being sort of wanting to be the Tom Brady but Tom Brady seems to have an impact on this sort of conversation throughout sports am I am I making too much of that is that too simplistic I don't I mean I think again like I mean, like just from a motivation standpoint to see somebody at 45 years old or you know like go out and perform or win a Super Bowl at 44 years old like I think he opens up people's you know uh, minds that like yeah it can be done and you gotta obviously take care of your body and, and be really disciplined in what you do but you know we have Nelson Cruz and Matt Carpenter and you Darvish that are you know uh, that are north of 35 years old and they're still doing it at a, you know at a high level and uh, um, again, those are all three like really special people, though, and I think probably similar to Tom Brady in that respect. The last thing is, as you came up, as you were coming up in front offices and, and in baseball, could you imagine that it would be, we'd be sitting here talking about all these names, talking about so many pitchers and players playing as long as they have? Because, again, like, you know, when I was a kid, it was, oh, my goodness, he's 38, he's... Yaz is 40. Oh, my. You know, could you imagine this? Have you seen that evolution? Yeah. I mean, again, I think it's it's still like, um, you know, I think, a little, you know, again, things things change over, over the course of time. I think, you know, like we've seen some guys that play. I think part of it, again, is just learning more, maybe being more open-minded to the fact that it is possible if you take care of your body, if you're able to adapt to the game. Um, you know, I think, again, it's still more the exception than the, than the rule, but um, I think we're seeing it more and more, guys, that are being, being successful. You know, the team we're going to play tonight, you know, Scherzer and Verlander, they've been, you know, two of the best pitchers in the league, you know, and, and, and up you know, as soon as recently as last season, and they're... You know, everything you hear, they're incredibly dedicated to their craft. And when you see people that can do that, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I think anything's possible, honestly. I ask everyone, why isn't baseball boring? <laughs> it's, it's, there's no wrong answer. There's no right answer. There's no, it's no, is it, do you have, do you have a good reason why baseball isn't boring? What, if, what jumps to mind when I ask you that question? Baseball? Baseball isn't boring. Oh, why? Man, baseball's because baseball. Baseball is like pitch to pitch. Like, you know, I mean, like you can feel really good, whereas like most other sports, you know, you get on a roll or, or momentum, you can kind of feel the strain. Baseball, you can feel great, and then one pitch later, all of a sudden you go down 2-0 in a count. You know, your team does, and you're like, that doesn't feel right, you know. And then next thing you know, the game can change on, on the next pitch. And then pitch later, the game, you know, momentum shifts back. So that's why, to me, playoff baseball is, you know, if you really know the game and see what's going on, it's, it's the best. It's literally, you know, 150 pitches where the momentum can shift at any time and the game can change at any point. That's, so. that's a good answer that you nailed that. So. All, right. Um, all right, as we said, 
good stuff from AJ, but also, as we said, Max Scherzer, he showed that you know, he isn't done yet. And he, he came out five innings, one hit, and a no-hitter through four. Uh, pitch count got way, way up there. That was the problem. He landed at 97 pitches. As you're going to hear, he's a little bit frustrated about that. But I did feel like you probably want to hear from Max after the game because he's, he's an insightful guy. This wasn't just me sitting down with him. This was the group setting. But I thought it would be good to throw in this Baseballs and Boring podcast today just because, once again, if we're talking about this day at City Field, probably the headliner was Max Scherzer. So here you go. Here's Scherzer after the game. I thought I was able to... Um, you know, avoid the the big hit, and I was able to um, sequence well enough. And you know, I had all my off-speed pitches going. I thought every off-speed pitch really had good shape, um, and was able to pitch well with that. And I felt like I had cases of just misses tonight. I was just missing with that fastball. You know, kind of got me in some bad counts, and you know, allowed them to grind grind me apart. That's why my pitch count got high. You know, I wasn't able to control the count well with them. But I mean, they're a good team. I mean, you, you make mistakes, they'll they'll burn you. So. Um, you know, knowing that, uh, you know that that's kind of what happened. Why the pitch count got high, but you know, like you know, working with Nito there, and just found a way to continue to get out of innings and avoid a big inning. Talk about the shape of the secondary pitches. Buck mentioned specifically the changeup. Did that pitch feel particularly good today? Yeah, changeup felt good, but all of them felt good. Um, you know, I was able to you know the curveball and slider like they they had shape and break, and was able to do what I, what I wanted to do with them, and um, you know. Like I said, you know, able to attack the zone when I needed to and avoid the beginning. How do you feel you're coming along with what you talked about after the game in Milwaukee with uh, putting guys away at two strikes? Yeah, I thought it took a step in the right direction. Um, and I felt I had to uh, self-diagnose that right. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not broken. <laughs> I wasn't broken after the Milwaukee start. I didn't have to reinvent the wheel. I just had to fine-tune some things, uh, you know, as, as baseball. Sometimes, you know, the result, you, if you follow the results, you know, you, you can make yourself go crazy at times. Um you, know, you got to be able to reflect on what's actually happening and, and know where you're getting beat. Um, and I thought you know, I identified the right things to be able to do, and I made better pitches because of that. Max, were you happy with this start? I mean, I always want to say I want to go deeper. Uh, you know, it's tough to say you only want to pitch five innings. Uh, but, you know, they did a good job of grinding with me, but, you know, the team got to win. So anytime the team wins, I'm happy. When Nito came out in the first inning, were you trying to like run the pitch clock down? Is that what you were trying to do, or were you crossing? No, we, we we weren't on the same pitch. Uh, we you know we were cycling through pitches, and you know it was coming off, and you know I stepped off, you know with a runner on base. Uh, you know I thought that just resets the clock. You know, it, he thought no matter what, the, you know, it just was confusion, and you know you know he came out there. I didn't think we needed to burn a mound. Is it? I just needed to call the bright pitch, but you know that's just life in the big leagues in twenty twenty three. What would you have a case of just misses? Is that something you have to adjust at all in the next five days, or is that something that kind of takes care of itself? Yeah, you, you don't put too like you don't try to overcorrect for that. Uh, you know, yeah, there's times I was spraying a fastball a little bit, but there's also times where I'm hitting a spot. You know, I'm just missing by a couple inches, and so you rather miss a couple inches of where you're trying to intend to hit the target than let it leak back over the middle. So. Uh, you know, you, you, over, you overcorrect here, you can, you know, run into some mistakes. So, you know, you're aware of it and see how it moves forward. Well, you, it sounds like you feel like you're close to where you want to be. Is that a fair assessment? Um, 
you know, I, I just know what I'm capable of. I know what I'm capable of when I pitch and locate. Uh, and, you know, getting off in 2023, I think I can continue to get better and keep grinding and find midseason form. Um, you know, it's a challenge for everybody. Everybody's trying to find that midseason form right now. Uh, you know, when you're dealing with all the different elements and things that you're dealing with, uh, you know, you're just trying to find midseason form. So it's whoever can do, do that fast enough. When you are trying to find things, how much do you enjoy? Obviously, one of the better lineups in the league over there facing a team like that that's, you know, going to give you a good litmus test of where you're at. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're a great ball club. Not going to take anything away from them. And, you know, I respect everybody in their lineup, and, you know, they make you bring your A game. So when you go out there, you got to bring your A game, otherwise you lose. I think you struck out most of your strikeouts were with your fastball. Was that just the sequencing? What do you think that was kind of a, a product of? Sequencing. Um, yeah, you can never put a finger on what pitch is going to be, but you know you, you work the sequence and then try to think think along with them and you know try to execute around that. Max, I think they, I think they had twenty five foul balls against you. Uh, is that more challenging physically or mentally when when they're fouling off pitch after pitch like that for five innings? Well, a little bit of both. Uh, you know, pitch counts higher. Um, you know. But that's when you got to dig down deep. I mean, that's where all your preparation comes in, you know, and all the training uh, to be in that situation. Uh, to, you know, when you pitch counts 60 plus through three, the, no, you still got to finish this outing. Uh, you got to finish strong. You can't feel sorry for yourself or anything like this. You got to actually got to attack and almost dig down deeper. So, um, you know, been in that situation many times. Uh, would have liked to find a way to be able to get through six. Uh, but, you know, unfortunately, they grind me apart. You know, they kept following me off. Uh, they did a great, great job of doing that, and you know that's what makes them a good team. How is the pitch clock feeling to you, time-wise? Like 15, aside from the sort of miscommunication you had later in the first, but just 15 seconds, 20 seconds. How's that feeling? No, it's fast. Um, the the pit the where I actually lose track of the clock the most is actually the start of an AB. You know, when there was runner on base. Like you just kind of your natural rhythm of the game, you know, says you have more time. But that clock, man, that thing, I'm, I'm the OO is a start to a bat. Um, that's where I feel like I struggle the most with the clock. All right. So after Scherzer talked, uh, I wanted to talk to our guy Brandon Nimmo. And as we said, go back and listen to this podcast we did with Brandon. Uh, in spring training, talking about the rules, talking about what he expected. And he talked about how he was going to have to adjust to sliding feet first because he couldn't get his sliding pad on. And then a few days later, he tries sleep, f- sliding feet first and gets hurt. So I felt a little bit bad about that, but what are you, you know, what are you going to do? And he talked a little bit about how he's evolved in terms of adjusting to these new rules. But he's just a great guy to talk to. And, and honestly, we said it before in spring training, one of our best conversations. So it was great to catch up for a brief time after the game with Brandon. Uh, so here you go. Here's the basically checking in with the conversation, checking in with Brandon Nemo about the conversation that we had before, where we are at, where a guy like this is at when it comes to adjusting to this new world of baseball. Always a good time with Nemo. Here you go. So, Brandon, it's just great catching up with you again, man. And um, it was one of my favorite conversations in spring training. I'm not even lying. Yeah, um, appreciate that. And we, and we, I promise you a T-shirt, and tomorrow you get the T-shirt. Perfect. Um, so, I, what I wanted to do is sort of revisit like uh-huh. a lot of stuff that we talked about. Yeah. When we talked in March, we were guessing a lot yeah. about what it, what baseball would look like. Yeah. 
So now as we sit here, what does baseball look like for you? Well, I mean, to be honest, I don't mind the getting done in three hours or less. Um, <laughs> you know, it keeps me um, off my feet longer. Uh, I will say uh, that it just requires a little bit better shape because uh, even for a guy like me, because you're still doing the same amount of running, but you're doing it in less time. Mm. So, um, you know, the miles that I cover in a day used to be spread out over three and a half, four hours. Now it's spread out between 215 to three. Did you anticipate that? I didn't anticipate that. So that was something that uh, um, I should have anticipated, but kind of got forgotten about um, until we got into the season um and then you know i would say that you're seeing stolen bases happen more often um you're seeing uh you know more balls uh, ground balls getting through um and and so i think what you're seeing is you're seeing uh, contact being valued a little bit more uh speed being valued a little bit more um and then you're seeing the game just move at a faster pace uh, i don't think fans can really like get on their phones during the middle of an inning like things are happening very very quickly mm. and so um you know i think you're seeing players adjust to that um some easier than others but um you know i think it's good i really do uh, i think it's good for the tv schedule i think it's good for for the players and uh once they get used to it obviously some are probably you know not ever, not not ever really gonna like it very much but um it, it isn't half bad being being done in three hours what are you doing and one of the things, you know, little things like we were talking about getting the, the gear off and, and everything. Yes. So, yeah, you, adjust, you had to adjust to that where, like, I keep a few things in my pocket now. Um, I don't go into the dugout when I'm leading off an inning. Um, we've actually hired a full-time bat boy so that he knows our stuff um, and has it and that's prepared. New. That's yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Used to kind of be a rotating door a little bit, like whoever was capable, whoever was doing it. Uh, you also on the road would use whoever was there. Now we try with our bad boy because he needs to know our stuff he needs to be able to get it to us quickly um, and you know he needs to have it waiting for us if we're leading off an inning so um, some of that stuff has changed um, and um, you know uh, I think it's I think like I said I don't I don't mind it uh, it's just that the game is moving at a faster pace the in terms of the um, when I think I talked to you I felt like it was like hitters were frenetic right mm-hmm. they were like yeah, I gotta get in the box yeah, right. yeah. Did, does it feel like still feels like that does sometimes yeah, like yeah. sometimes uh, when I foul a ball off I, I know I'm supposed to get uh, more like more time to regather myself mm-hmm. but uh, depending on the, who's working the clock it doesn't always work that way and you know the umpires are really being very you know um, uh, I would say stingy uh, towards the clock right. and like whatever it says like you, you need to be ready and so uh, a few times I've had to like step in the box pretty quick and be like okay uh, you know i got to get in there mm-hmm. um so it's still it's still moving at a pretty good pace but um that way for the pitcher as well um so uh, still still more to get used to um and, and try and get still get used to the pace but um but i think you know overall for the most part i, I haven't noticed too too much of a difference it's the guys like i mean you know i think you see Soto has a has a big problem with it mm-hmm. um, because he wants to control more of more of the tempo and everything. Um, I never really called too much time or anything like that mm-hmm. um, before, and so it hasn't affected me too much. Other than just a few times when I foul a ball off, and I'm thinking, okay, how do I want to approach this next pitch? And then I'm like, oh, it's ten seconds. I need to get in the box, you know. So a um, few of those times, uh, you know, it's happened. But uh, I think I think guys will get used to it. Well, you get home and you'll be able to sleep tonight. No. <laughs> 
know that you got a t-shirt coming tomorrow. Perfect. I'm, right. I'm excited about all right, it. All right, all right. Thank you. My man. pleasure. Thank you. All right. As you heard, I mean, we could talk to Nimmo all day long. We'll talk to him again. But lastly, a guy that I really hadn't met at all, Nick Martinez. But it's a really, really interesting story. Interesting story in terms of how this is a, the epitome of a guy who you know, is finding his way, goes to Japan, figures some stuff out, and, by the way, takes it upon himself to learn other things, not only in Japan, but as you're going to hear, on his computer. There has to be some credit given to these people, these pitchers, these players, who take it upon themselves to find a way to get better, whatever that way is. And Nick Martinez is the epitome of that. And in this conversation, we also talk about the adjustments that that Japanese hitters might have to make when it comes to coming to the major leagues, such as Masayoshi to the Red Sox, um, you know, Seiya Suzuki with the Cubs last year. So he is a great guy to talk to. Again, very personable. Great to talk to him. Now, absolutely friend of the, the baseballs and boring brand. We they keep on coming. It's been a great trip over to City Field. It was a great day. It was a great night. It was a great scene, the whole deal. Now we're going to keep it going all week long. We got some things lined up this week. We're not stopping, not at all. We had the great podcast to lead off the, the week when the then 9 and talking about then 9 and 0 Rays, now 10 and 0 Rays. So then we have this podcast. Now we're going to have. You aren't going to believe the ones we have coming up. And, of course, we punctuate every week with Betting Isn't Boring with our expert, Jonathan Papelbon. But I just want to thank everybody. Thank you, subscribing, rating, reviewing, listening. At BB Isn't Boring, the book, uh, Damn Near Perfect Game, the whole ball of wax. So here you go. Here's Nick Martinez. You went from the extreme of, of, well, you obviously know what it's like to pitch in the major leagues, Mm -hmm. but then you go to another world, and we can talk a little bit about the differences of that, but then now, even if a couple years ago, this world is different than a couple years ago. Sure, sure. So what is the the thing that, for you, as we sit here right now, is the biggest, feels different, perhaps, more than anything? Uh, There's more on the line, I think, now. Um, But I'm having more fun doing it. Okay. Um, That's good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's always a good thing when you're having fun when, when, you, when you're doing what you love doing. So, um, it, in the past, uh, I, not to say I didn't have fun in Japan. I had a great time in Japan. I was also, you know, finding out more about myself as a pitcher and, and as a person and, um, you know, coming back, knowing who I am um, as both a person and a player. Um, I have more fun doing it. Mm. Even though there's more pressure, more more on the line, mm-hmm. and uh, and being a part of this great team, you know, makes it that much more fun. All right, now I'm fascinated by. Look, there's a lot to pick through here. Where okay, so when you talk about now, you're having more fun doing it. What is the thing? What was the thing that made you feel like? Was there like just the appreciation for being here and going through? You know, the challenges you have. What makes it more fun? I think finding out. You know, my time being in Japan and learning about myself and, and really, you know, doing a deep dive into into what I need to work on and, and finding out who I am. 
and then uh, and then getting the opportunity to come here and, and and like you know have that affirmation that hey this freaking works you know it, it worked in Japan when I figured it out and then obviously coming back you know my first year here last year um, you know I, I I'm very confident I was very confident coming into last year mm. that my stuff would work but then having it actually you know see it play out is another thing and mm. and then put that together with a you know signing with a team that wants to win a World Series and that's always good yeah. yeah yeah your priorities seem to change you know when that happens my first few years in Japan I was trying to come back on any kind of deal um, you know I wanted to be back in the States closer to my family and and then, um, you know, as I got better at my craft, I, I, I started getting a little bit pickier and um, where I wanted to play. And then that last year in Japan, after putting it all together um, and being on a, you know, we didn't make the playoffs in, 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 on that team in Japan, but that's a, that was a very winning mentality. You liked the, you liked the, the idea of winning. Yeah, that yeah. was the, the, yeah. there. There was high expectations for the last team that I was on, and I liked being a part of that. And then, you know, I was in the Olympics and, and, and getting to the gold medal game, you know, Having experienced that, you know the the the, the search for for being a champion is is a lot of fun. And so um, when it came down to my choices, a team that wants to win a World Series was at the top of the list. And so I, I feel like I found a home here. So when you had that sort of, I don't know if there's a moment that got that person who who got to you, it, maybe in Japan about like you talked about figuring out what you needed to do what you need to change was there a singular moment was there a singular thing and not to say it was a be all end all but was there one notable part of it piece of the equation I think um, during the quarantine um, learning about pitch design was maybe the one thing that kind of took me to the next level Mm -hmm. but it was accumulation of you know everything that led up to that moment Um, you know going to driveline working with um, Casey at, at Kinetic Pro Baseball in Tampa um, learning about biomechanics, learning about analytics, each year kind of putting something together, you know, towards that. And then um, the cherry on the top was taking a pitch design course. And then. Really? Yeah, and then like, oh, this. Is that a really course? Is that a course? It's a real course. Like yeah. you sit at desks and things? Or? Yeah, it was online. At okay, but still, I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. So then I started, I took the course when we were quarantined and. Um, I was like, okay, this all this stuff makes a lot of sense, and how do my pitches line up with, with what they're teaching? And I was able to kind of see that there was a glaring problem with you know my changeup, and then um, I fixed it pretty quickly, and and it, and it brought me all the way back to the states. Really? Yeah. So do you, so we talk about that course. That seemed like something. Like first of all, like. It's hard for me to sit in front of a computer and learn anything, right? Uh, you would find this kind of fun, though. It's, you can get it on can, a driveline. I can sign up for it? Yeah, yeah. They oh, offer it to right. everyone at right. driveline, and it's kind of cool to, to learn, you know, you know, what to look for when you're trying to, trying to make a new pitch or, mm. or add a pitch to your arsenal. Um, you know, kind of different exercises to help you achieve, mm. you know, that desired spin to make the ball move whichever location you want it to move, mm. whatever direction you want it to move. So um, it, it, it kind of opens your eye. Like, man, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of, there's a lot of ways to, to kind of get better, and it's everyone's unique. And so um, it, it kind of reignited the passion that I had for, that I had for baseball. Well, and when was this? When did, again? Just two thousand twenty. So during the quarantine. Yeah. So you did talk about making the most of. Yeah, I was, I was, yeah. And then we were running our like individual practices, and I would just spend all day trying to, you know, tweak little things awesome. here and there. And so I found the, the right groups for all my pitches. And the changeup was the biggest thing that you said. Yeah, you know, I had a good four seam, a good, good curveball. I made my curveball better through that, and then um, 
uh, made my cutter a little bit better. And then, the, but the, the biggest one was a changeup. Was like, hey, this is too similar to your fastball. You know, find a grip that you know as close as you can to the direction that they're talking about. And then I, I've started messing with it. And obviously, being in Japan, the split fingers are very popular pitch yeah. there. So I tried that for a while, didn't work. And then I was like, well, let me just see if I can throw a split with these two fingers instead. And that's how my changeup really was born. Yeah. So I should know this, but so how? Do, so it's a combination of like a split and a changeup. Yeah. My, split. So, so I split it with these two fingers. Cool. So the the, the the ring finger and the middle finger. finger yeah. I throw that. Does anyone else throw it like that? I think Eric Gagne threw him like that. Did he really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. But this is sort of trial and error. Like you said, take the this class. Was, yeah. Then you go to Japan. The sp- you get, like, split finger is a huge, huge thing. Right. And then you're like, okay, this works. Yeah. And then like, like, all right, let's, <laughs> let's put it to the test. And then I, it, I saw instant results, and then it made my other stuff better. Yeah, yeah. Because guys started looking for that or swinging misses that and having to respect that. And then made my fastball better, my curveball better. So, yeah. Uh, that was probably the one moment, the defining moment in my arsenal. Yeah. I love, I love this. I love like, like I we just had pitching ninja on the other day. Oh, cool. Oh yeah. I mean, it's like yeah, you yeah. know the invention of pitches, the evolution of pitches, and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is probably seems like something that you're into too. I love it. We talk yeah. all the time about uh, you know different pitches. That, you know, I talked to Darvish, who's a wizard at you know making the ball spin in whichever way he wants it to spin. In. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so uh, you know it's very fascinating to talk about trying to create different. Shapes. You look at Senga's Ghost Fork. Yeah, yeah, I played with Senga. My last oh, okay, year. all right. So you're familiar with. Yeah, yeah. So it's nothing. I mean, did you learn anything from him at all? I tried. I tried the split, but again, I couldn't get my fingers to. to yeah. I just can't with these two. Those fingers. two fingers, but the other but fingers. The other fingers work just fine. Okay. So it's kind of like the same action as a splitter, yeah, yeah. but just the, and then you get the velocity difference, like a changeup. So it's kind of like a hybrid of a. That's how I like to think of it. When <laughs> I, I've watched a lot of Yoshida um, this year. Yeah. Um, you do must have pitched against I him. Against him a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's interesting to like the approaches, and obviously he's a hitter, you're a pitcher. But for you, what's uh, for a guy coming over from United from Japan to the United States, a hitter? Mm. Like, what is the biggest adjustment from the hitter's perspective? Do you think? Because you have the yeah. Every night you're facing like uh, one of the best pitchers in the world here. So, here, yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, you know, in Japan, they definitely have, as you guys saw in the WBC, they, they definitely have their fair share of great arms. But um, in that, you know, every team has that team here in the states, right? Like every team in the states has, you know, that a very dominating pitcher. Mm-hmm. Um, the, starter and reliever so um, because the consistent velocity you know the higher velocity um, more consistently um, is going to be a hard adjustment Um, but then on the flip side of that you know the zone over there in Japan is a little bit different from here I think it'll favor him here a little bit more than it did over there okay Um, and then but I think like the movement the the overall movement and different pitches for him Mm. there's more of a spectrum here of right of pitches so like in other words cover. okay you know you have to you have to be disciplined in the high fastball you have to be disciplined you know obviously right and you gotta be you gotta be disciplined on basically every direction on the right. compass and just a little and, bit you have to be a little bit more disciplined because it's, the movement's a little bit more right yeah, right yeah. And, and in more directions in more in direction Japan, you have a lot of guys that are very good at the four or splitter yeah and they have an okay slider or they have a you know four seamer slider and okay splitter yeah it seems to be like the three kind of good combinations and, you know it's 
they do have pitchers that have all three that are really good yeah. and those are obviously the ones that have a lot of success over there yeah. but they also have guys that are maybe just good at one or just two maybe and over here you have guys that are really good at making the ball rise go down right. east to west so um, there's more of that that he has to uh, prepare for but I think he's Capable yeah, he's. A, would you would you face him like he's would he seems like a tough out no matter what. Uh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, so all right, man. Like, well, I appreciate it. No this, problem. This man. is fun. Yeah, anytime. Man.